Hello, you're so welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sarah Louise Leather, and delighted to be here with another another episode of I Quit Wine. And if you want to have a much, much, much better life without alcohol, you are in the right place. Whether you are wanting to just really get a bit curious about your relationship with alcohol, like I did 15, actually 16 years ago now, or you are done, you are ready to stop living a life with uh, hangovers, well, I am thrilled you are here. And today we're talking about the why alcohol and menopause are not a match made in heaven particularly wine and uh, I have here in my hands one of my favorite books right now and it's called The Upgrade. It's written by a psychiatrist Dr Luanne uh, Brizendine and it talks about how the female brain gets stronger and better in midlife and beyond. It is just magnificent and there's quite a few references that she makes in the book to alcohol and she's not at all being disparaging about alcohol. She's just as she's just revealing the facts. <laughs> and uh, she at some point she said, "I know it's not the best news, but we work with what we've got." When she's talking about the effects of of alcohol on the brain, and she's there's one chapter where she's talking about inflammation and how inflammation uh, can create a shortened lifespan. And she goes on to say, "In amounts greater than." one glass of wine and remember whenever anybody references one glass of wine or one unit of alcohol it's a tiny amount it really is just I often say it's just like a a mouth like a large mouthful (laughs) it's just a tiniest little amount and so in in amounts greater than one glass of wine alcohol becomes inflammatory brain toxin damaging the ends of neurons and impairing the growth of new cells especially the hippocampus the brain's organ of memory Several brain imaging studies and tests for memory and learning skills show that excessive drinking increases the risk of cognitive decline and dementia, and some are pretty alarming. For example, a 2013 study in Australia found that 78% of people diagnosed with alcohol use disorder displayed some form of dementia or brain pathology. The effects of alcohol on the brain are so powerful that there are even specific types of dementia distinct from Alzheimer's disease or vascular dementia that are called alcohol-related. Heavy alcohol use can literally restructure your brain, causing permanent damage, especially in the frontal cortex, which is your planning, judgment and cognitive centre. Structural changes can be permanent. Yeah, and um, the the prefrontal cortex, the front part of the frontal cortex, is the bit where we decide, you know, we're going to have that first drink. But after the first drink, it kind of gets wiped out and it can no longer make those decisions and the ancient brain takes over. Um, And the dopamine surges come and off it goes. And then she says, the kicker, the bad effects of alcohol on an aging brain are more damaging in women than in men. And remember that she is talking about perimenopause and menopause. So basically that's on average. I mean, some women go into perimenopause in their in their 30s, most in their 40s. And she calls she calls um she calls perimenopause the transition. And what she calls 
the upgrade isn't what she calls menopause because she doesn't like the word perimenopause or menopause and I totally understand. So as she was saying, the toxic effects of the symptoms of the transition, perimenopause, slowing metabolism and increasing the risk of osteoporosis and insomnia. And if that weren't bad enough, women in their 60s today are drinking heavily more than ever, even more than men at the same age. Studies at the National Institute of Health show that while men drink out of social pressure, women do so in response to emotional pain. So men drink out of social pressure, women do so in response to emotional pain. Research on women and alcohol in the last 20 years has shown that damage to the brain, liver and metabolism happens faster for us, even for those of similar muscle mass and weight to a man. Light alcohol use, no more than one standard drink per day for women, may actually be neuroprotective against dementia. If you're listening to this podcast, that's probably not you. But even one glass can exacerbate hot flashes and sleeplessness and a range of of other menopausal symptoms. And then she says, the combination of sugar and alcohol in the female brain can turn the upgrade, that's menopause, into a downgrade faster than you can uncork a bottle of champagne. In many post-transition, post-menopausal women, sugar and alcohol can trigger some concerning inflammatory consequences. Increases in inflammatory markers, which can be measured by your doctor, are the direct threat to the female brain and manifest themselves in both cognitive decline and intractable melancholy. So basically, it affects the way your brain functions and makes you really, really sad. And she goes on to talk about... uh, Uh, worsening mood symptoms um, and different kinds of brain levels that are um, causing all sorts of problems. Um, And then she says, on the flip side, food, sleep and exercise can be medicine. Eating anti-inflammatory foods at the right times, keeping belly fat under control and making sure you're moving enough can turn inflammation around, making a huge difference in mental sharpness now and for the future. We can eat, sleep and exercise our way to an upgrade. That's to a better menopause. And yeah, so alcohol doesn't come off too lightly there, does it? No. And like there are so many, when you delve into the the science of it, there is just so, so, so much. And another thing that she says later on in the book around menopause, alcohol doesn't suit. It causes hot flashes, makes your hands red and swollen, makes you sleepy at the wrong time. Two hours after your last drink, the brain becomes alert. Mostly you'll fall asleep quickly and then wake up in the middle of the night and have a hell of a time getting back to sleep. If you really want to drink, lunch or weekend is best. I'd even question that. To keep people from thinking I'm antisocial at dinners, I let the host pour and then take a sip or two. If pressed, I'll say something like, I'll feel better if I don't. And yeah, I've got lots of thoughts around that because I think we should be able to say like, no, thank you. Like, isn't it amazing how alcohol is the only drug that you have to justify not consuming? I mean, if somebody was handing around a packet of cigarettes, like if anybody said, no, thank you, would you have to just take one or maybe just light and just have one puff to keep other people happy? I think it's kind of crazy. Um, uh, you know, and I can totally understand 
somebody not wanting to be the centre of attention. I know when I first started experimenting with not uh, not drinking and going sort of periods of time without drinking, there was one time that I went to a social event and it was a, it was a book club event and I was offered a drink 16 times by the host. 16. 16, I actually counted. <laughs> And it was just like, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Do you want one now? No, thank you. I mean, probably that's because at previous book clubs I would have drunk a lot. Uh, but it was just like, it was just like, no, it's still a no, still a no, still a no. And so I can see why some people will just go like, yeah, sure, pour me one to keep them happy and keep them off their back. Um, but I think for anyone who's experienced uh as challenges around alcohol in any way, having a glass sitting in front of you and taking a couple of sips is probably not a good plan. If you're not drinking, you're not drinking. <laughs> That's it. That is it. And you don't want it sitting there distracting you the whole time until you are very, very certain in your, like as they might say, rooted in sobriety, you know, just really, really anchored into like, no, I don't want that. And I can really understand how how that's challenging. And I certainly have had many, many times where that would be challenging, just having it sitting there right under my nose. No, you don't need that when you're if you're not drinking. It's like sitting there, like if you've stopped consuming refined sugar and there is a big freshly made piece of chocolate cake with fresh chocolate topping on it and and it's sitting there right under your nose with a spoon just in case you want to have a little nibble. You know, like it's just it's not being very kind to yourself. It's uh, There's much, much better ways of doing it. And having, for me, having even a wine glass full of sparkling water with a nice squeeze of fresh lime and maybe a sprig of mint, fresh mint or something, can be really glorious and tastes really nice, very refreshing and not a bit distracting. It's just a drink. It's just sitting there. And I know that alcohol in itself is just neutral. And when it's in a glass or in a bottle or whatever, it is just sitting there. It's not doing anything to you. But you've got to make it as easy as you can on yourself. There is no need to make it harder than it needs to be. And in the early days, it can be challenging. I know. I know. There's been times that that, that I have uh, found that very, very challenging. But I think it's really useful to look at the actual brain science of it and see you know what what it is actually doing to us what anything more than a moderate amount is and a moderate is like less than one standard drink a day and that as i said is a mouthful it's not very much and most people are consuming way 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 more than that and i'm going to be sharing a lot more about that on this podcast but for today, I just wanted to share those things around uh, around uh, menopause from that particular book, because as I've mentioned before, and I'll say it again, that you know when we're going through hormonal changes in our body, so this happens as a teenager, it happens when we're premenstrual, it happens in pregnancy, and it happens in perimenopause and in menopause that our bodies, the female liver, has got a lot of work to do to metabolize the hormones that are being released. And the enzyme that breaks down those hormones is exactly the same enzyme that breaks down alcohol. 
So that is why you can't handle alcohol or it goes to your head quicker or more importantly, it makes you feel sicker because basically your liver is screaming at you once you pour alcohol in on top of a liver that's already having to deal with those what are seen as a toxin to the liver, those those um, hormones that it's having to deal with along with all the other toxins that come into your body all day long. If you're breathing in pollution, you're of course there's always some kind of residues of some kind of chemicals in our food. There's chemicals from cleaning products, chemicals from skin care stuff, from sunblock, from all sorts of things. Our livers have got a lot of work to do every single day. And then we go and pour alcohol on top of it. And that's why as we get older, when we get to midlife or perimenopause, menopausal times, that suddenly, you know, you have one or two drinks and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I feel like I've drunk three bottles of wine and it can also make you crave it as well. Even though you know in your head, it's, you know, it's not doing you any good. It can make you want more and try and make you feel better. And it just becomes just such a stressful thing for your body to be under and that's why you want to go to bed or you feel sick and and what happens as well as the um when you have alcohol your body detects a poison and so when your body detects a poison it wants you to dilute that poison so you crave carbohydrates you want fatty carby kind of food you want chips and maybe burgers and and stuff that is going to or maybe maybe bread with butter on it or something that's going to soak it up your body actually really craves that I mean I know myself if when I have anything to drink I want to eat more the next day absolutely even if I don't really feel like I've got a hangover I know I it can drop your blood sugar levels as well and make you want to want to eat more so it's can then contribute to increased body weight and other health effects that you possibly don't want. It's uh, it's got lots of lots of negative things to go with it, and the alternative is to drink much much healthier things instead. So I'd love to know your thoughts. What do you think? How does it affect you? Do you feel it if you've stepped into the perimenopause or menopausal phase of your life? How is it affecting you? Are you are you being affected by it a whole lot more than you would have in the past? And it's along with that, when we drink more over a period of time, we get more tolerant. So your liver just gets used to more and more. Uh, whereas maybe we can drink a bottle of wine and still function the next day. Whereas if you'd drunk a bottle of 14% red wine when you were 17 or 19 or 21 years of age, you'd be sort of really, really, really sick. Whereas now you're like, oh, I drank a lot, but I kind of don't feel that bad. I feel much better if I didn't drink it, but I don't feel that bad because you build up this tolerance over time, which is just your liver getting used to having more, but it's not a good thing. It's certainly tolerance is not a healthy thing for your body. Your liver can start to get inflamed from that as it builds up the tolerance. And it also means 
that it takes more and more alcohol to get the same effects. So whereas before one or two glasses of wine could have made you feel really chilled, really relaxed, and you'd be happy with that and you'd sit there for, you know, enjoying maybe company or whatever. Um, And then it's just like, oh, I don't feel like I've had any really. I need to have some more as that tolerance builds. And then your liver gets hammered with it. That's the way it works. It does not improve. It's not called a slippery slope for no reason. Uh, there was a book by a there's a doctor in actually in our, I live in Ireland and he's in Dublin and I, his name's gone from my brain at the moment, but he talks about the the descending escalator of. Um, he's talking about addiction and he's talking about alcohol and he's talking about like so every time you step off the escalator and take a break from it that's all great and everything your body has a break and everything but you step back on the escalator escalator and it's still going down the only direction is down you do not go back at the top you do not get to go back to to go you have you step right back on where you were before and within no time you're back at exactly the same place and just worse usually. It usually gets worse very fast. So it's a it's a downward journey. Downward journey to a, not a very nice place. So I'm going to leave you with that. That might not sound very cheerful, but the cheerful thing is we get to decide. We always get to decide how we are going to manage this and what we want. And if you want any help with that, just let me know. You can email me at IQW with Sarah. That stands for I Quit Wine, IQW with Sarah at gmail.com. Or pop over to I Quit Wine underscore with Sarah on Instagram. And I am be really happy to have a chat with you. So I'll be back with you really, really soon. Sending you lots and lots of love. Bye for now.